Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Right, welcome to the very final Arsecast of what has been a trying season for Arsenal. As is tradition, we have a roundtable discussion to take in all that has come before and uh, try and look at it with a bit of perspective now that a bit of time has passed. Hopefully it won't be as fraught as it might have been, but I make no guarantees for that. With me uh, this evening to discuss uh, all the bits and pieces are the man from eastlower.co.uk. A good evening. Good player from goodplayer.com. Good evening. We have Gilberto Silver from GunnarBlog.com. Hello there. And we have Gunnar Hollick from, well, GunnarHollick.com. Hello there, everybody. Let us start with you, man, from East Lower, if I might, and let's talk about the season and... Um, the end of the season in particular was was bad, very, very bad, uh, in, in the sense that we didn't win very many games and lost too many games and, and went from being in a position where we were in the fight for four trophies. Uh, I think everybody would accept that that was unrealistic, but to, to none. And a battle for first, uh, and we ended up in fourth. So it, the question I have to begin is, is the end of the season more reflective of the team as a whole? Or, you know, did we overachieve perhaps earlier in the season? Or is it just a case that come uh, the end of a season when there's a bit of pressure on that Arsene Wenger's teams at the moment, they fold? Uh, I don't think uh, the end of the season is necessarily reflective of our team overall, because if it was, we'd have gone down. But (laughs) but no, I I think... um, I think often at the end of the season you do get a bit of um, once the sort of prize, the main prize has eluded you, or the main prize is, then uh, you know I think you can lose a few more games. I'm trying to be kind here, you know, you can probably tell, but um, no, I, I don't think so. I think it was an absolutely dismal end of the season, but um, it's not reflective of the whole season at all. But as for the bottling bit, well, it's quite hard to argue that um, you know now that it's happened about two or three times it's quite hard to argue that uh, that it's not becoming 
slightly worrying habit. So yeah, I'm, I'm a bit worried about that side of it. But often at the end of the season, you do lose a few games, especially after the main prize has gone. So maybe that's a uh, part of it. Mm, Halleck, I mean, it, it's a it's a fair point, but it wasn't necessarily the main prize that went that sparked this uh, downward spiral. It was a Carling Cup final and possibly the game against Newcastle as well. So there was still plenty to play for for, for Arsenal in the uh, in the final nine or ten games of the season, and with nine games to go, it was in our hands. So how do we how do we make sense of what's gone on? Was it just a really bad run of form at its most poorly timed, or or what? Well, it most certainly was that. I suppose the the thing that everybody's looking for is the reason behind that, and I'm no wiser than anybody else in that regard. I thought that um, you can say that after we'd lost the Carling Cup final, we were perhaps unfortunate to draw. Barcelona in the Champions League and Manchester United in the FA Cup but nonetheless uh, both those sides have got to be beaten if you want to win those competitions and the fact that we didn't well perhaps we were a tad unfortunate against Barcelona not sure we were against Manchester United but even after all of that we were still you know a month off the end of the season mathematically had the title in our destiny and I think what was uh, most telling was as Gilberto Silva was just saying, it was the fact that for the second or third time at the end of a season when you would have expected uh, the side to have a a great deal of uh, fight in it, bearing in mind the prize that was on offer, it did just fall away. I wish I did know the answer, I don't, but Mm. uh, there you go. All right, well, uh, I'll turn now to the real Gilberto Silva. Uh, (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'll ask him for his view on on that general uh, point. On the general point, well, I mean, you've already heard it in a way. Um, Essentially, the way in which we fell away at the end of the season is difficult to pin down. I mean, uh, personally, I do put a lot of weight on that Colin Cup final. Uh, I do feel that had we won that, we would have gone on and, and, you know, sort of had a more successful end to the season. But then uh, previous seasons, we've had the same problems without having lost a Cup final. So uh, it is possible to say that it's just something that is sort of slightly inherent in the side and that, you know, they've got this capacity to collapse and that is, I suppose, the most worrying thing. Mm. Good player, anything to add to that? Well, I mean, the, the irony is it seems to be that we have a capacity to go into terminal decline after a shock against Birmingham in the last minute because if you actually look at it, the three the three collapses have all been precipitated by last-minute Birmingham City goals um, this season, the season before and, and three years ago. And the, But the point is, you know, we probably would have gone on if we'd won the Carling Cup to better things. But but how on earth did we manage to collapse so badly? How can we have so little mental resolve that every single time we just spiral when this happens? If you look at United, uh, lost to us in the league, then went and beat Chelsea three days later in the Champions League semi-final. You know, and they do it time and again. And, you know, there has to be some kind of a, a real look at why this happens. Because it's, it's happened three times in four years now. I mean, one of the things that's happened over the course of the season, of course, is that we hear hear the manager talking about mental strength all the time. And it's become one of those stock phrases that everyone kind of laughs at a bit now. It's sort of like when a player comes back from injury, he's like a new signing. Uh, And Arsene talks about mental strength and talks about it time and time and time again. And the more he talks about it, the more you get the sense that he's trying to instill mental strength by just saying it over and over and over until until they believe it. The mentality thing is is an issue, though, isn't it? Because 
We've heard Clichy and Sanya this season talk about how the team wasn't quite focused enough, and they were almost mirror comments from from 2008. Alex Song talked about it uh, as well this week, where he said, "We, you know, we have this thing where we think we just kind of have to turn up to win games," uh, and this has been an ongoing issue for um, quite some time. Uh, I'll hand it back to you, good player. I mean, why do you think this? isn't something that hasn't been addressed properly. I mean, I'm sure it has been. They've talked about it and, and maybe tried to solve, but why can't they fix this? Do you know what I think? And, it, you know, it, it takes, it's hard for me to say this, but I sometimes think that when it comes to the crunch now, I wonder sometimes whether Arsene Wenger is more of a hindrance than a help. Um, I, there were just a few moments, for example, at Bolton at one all with 10 minutes to go and the ball, you know, we were pushing for a goal and the ball came out of play, it bounced to him and he, he kind of threw a temper tension when the ball came to him. And I wonder, I wonder if he, and it's it, obviously it's not something any of the players can ever really say. Um, but I wonder if he nowadays, you know, whereas before he wouldn't blink, you know, it gets to near the end of the season, he wouldn't blink. He'd really drive his teams on. I just wonder if he is a man who's able to, if he gets in such spirals of despair, that in fact it comes from him. I mean, it just sometimes looks like that with his demeanour, with what's with what's going on. Mm, I, Gunnar Hollick, it's something that I've written at the bottom of that question that I wrote here. Is there a danger that this flaw in the mentality of the Arsenal side comes directly from Arsene Wenger? Now, there's the question everybody wants the answer to. I, you'll not be surprised to hear I don't necessarily agree with that. But given that we have gone through the same thing uh, three times in the last four years, there is not much doubt in my mind that there is a there is a problem where you have to either lose a number of players who are not executing the message that he's giving them or you lose the manager. Mm. And the word that's coming out of the club is that it's a number of players who are going to be making way. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because, let's face it, um, the players that are being talked about as being let go by the club have come in for some fair old stick from the supporters, whether it be online, whether it be at the ground. I, I think it's been a number of years since I've heard um, individuals who have been rounded on by an Arsenal crowd quite as much as one or two have this season. So I think in the first instance, it's right, change in some of the personnel. You know I've got my concerns whether we've got the time to make all those changes mm. or indeed the resources to make all those changes. Uh, but I But I think it's right that players who have yet to prove themselves should move on and a manager who has most definitely proved himself down the years be given a chance to get it right there's another side to that of course though that I think we'll come on to later mm. uh, Gilberto Silver maybe somebody playing devil's advocate might say okay if we're going to move on players and, and throw out the names Danielson Bentner Diab and uh, Rosicki for example Almunia etc etc these are guys that have had a limited impact on first-team issues this season in sure. the sense that they haven't played a great deal. And for quite uh, a number of seasons, maybe this has been the one where we've been least injury hit. I know we had some, some injuries towards the end of the season. So the issue isn't necessarily with the fringe players who haven't done a great deal. Mm. Um, 
when the first team has been out there and the uh, the best team he can pick has been out there, they're the ones that haven't been able to produce. Well, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I suppose the one thing you could say is if you move the fringe players out and then you bring in top quality players, those players who have occupied the first team more regularly this season, you know, might get knocked back a little bit down that pecking order. Mm. I mean, the other, the other thing is that uh, I think it's in, in a lot of these cases, it's not really about uh, the playing ability of the players. Uh, I don't even think it's about whether or not these players deserve to be at the club. There's more just a sense that something has to change, sort of culturally something has to shift. And in order to do that, was pointed out earlier you either remove a significant portion of the squad or you remove the manager now the easiest thing to do in those cases most of the time is actually to remove one man rather than you know half a dozen to ten mm. um but with arson being as embedded in the club as he is i don't think that's the action the board will take uh whether or not it'll make actually any difference We'll soon see. I mean, basically, if the if the squad experiences a significant turnover and we find ourselves with the same problem, then we're in a situation where you can't really point the blame at anyone but the manager. Mm. It, it, it's an interesting one. And I think we spoke on, on the last Arscast about how the futures of so many players are in doubt. Man, for me, slower, a number of them, obviously, that he's invested time uh, and education in haven't lived up to, to the promise. Um, and perhaps, you know, it's easy to turn around afterwards and say, look, I told you so. I knew he wouldn't be a good player. I knew he wouldn't be a good player. Could he have been perhaps a little bit more ruthless in the last number of seasons? He he seems to be just a little bit too understanding or too uh, invested in them becoming the player that he wants them to be at the expense of seeing what they're actually doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think he should have been absolutely should have been more ruthless and maybe he'll be thinking that now I mean, if you just take um almunia maybe i shouldn't single him out alone but if you take him as a good example he's been you know our number one keeper for quite a few years and and yet has he ever been uh, up to up to scratch in terms of being um number one arsenal keeper i don't think he has um but for me this summer is all about sending out a message and you know last year we made a few signings and it, it was sort of just augmenting things uh, slightly. And I think this year it is about sending out a message and some of these players absolutely have to go. Just just if, it, as much as anything else to say, look, I'm putting a broom into this, I'm shaking things up and, and we start, you know, we're really around this summer. And that might have a big effect. I think it needs to happen. Mm. I mean, the, the, the question is, I think everybody has agreed that a change of manager uh, isn't going to happen. But is there anyone who thinks that, it should, or that the manager has taken the club as as far as he can. Anyway. I worry. I worry. I'll, I'll, I worry that you know that that's the case. But um, I really want him to do it. I, I really want. I really want him to turn it around this season and and just to make the changes necessary to uh, move us from fourth, third, you know, up to absolutely banging on the door for first, uh, right to the very, very end. Um, so I, I want to think he can do it. But you've got concerns that he well, can't. I, I do have concerns. I mean, ultimately, I, I think if another season happens like this, where we fall away again, um, I think his position will be pretty tricky. I mean, whether the board believes that, you know, I don't know. But I think the fans will increasingly believe that. Mm, I mean, it, it, the, the start to, to the coming season is going to be crucial, isn't it? Because can you imagine a bad start to the season? I mean, there's, there's little or no patience in certain, uh, certain areas of the fan base absolutely no patience whatsoever for him uh, and a, a bad start to next season would uh, would really be uh, very difficult anyone else want to 
Well, I, 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 I just good yeah, player. I... <laughs> Ooh. All right. <laughs> Let's go a good player. Fight. There's I, only one I, way to do it. Fight. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to make the point that I think what's happened now, there are, there's a what you, there's a we kind of told you so brigade who'll be listening to all of this and saying, oh, I see you didn't, you, you know, this is what we've been saying for ages. But I think what, we, what we're saying now is that we've actually seen evidence, basically, which is this thing happening again and again and again. And it wasn't based on a hunch, you know, that we had four years ago or something. The, the evidence is there of a, of a serious problem. And if, and I think, I think all of us would agree probably that, that it, there has to be change, significant change in something. But we can't just try again next season, do what we've been doing, and, and this time we'll get lucky. And, and the change, I think, my view is that the change has to be bigger than any change has probably been in his 15 years at the club. And it's, it, it's that big. I, I really hope he can do it. But it's, I think it's change unlike we've seen before. Gilberto Silva, you wanted to say something? I just wanted to say that if, when I look at it uh, as dispassionately as I can, I think um, I really do suspect that uh, Arsene Wenger's time... Uh, may have been and gone, and that, and that's 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 a difficult thing for me to say because I'm an enormous admirer of the man, and I, like everybody else, I think uh, I want him to succeed. Um, I just feel that the the sort of size of the change of culture that is required uh, may be beyond him, uh, and I await this summer, and I hope that I'll be proved wrong. Uh, but I think uh, if I remove any sort of sentimentality from it, I suspect that that I'm I'm right about that. Okay, uh, Gunnar Hollick, One of the things that people were looking for this summer was change, not just in the playing staff, but um, change in the in the coaching staff. And I think that the uh, the idea of a new number two was built into something perhaps a bit more than than it was like a new number two could swoop in and solve all the problems and stand up to Arsene and make him do things that he'd never done before, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously Pat Rice uh, has been a fantastic servant to the club. But uh, last week, Arsene was asked about uh, new coaching staff and he was quite dismissive of the idea. Um, would you be concerned at all that a sort of a freshening of of that side of things is always good? Because if you look at someone like uh, Alex Ferguson, uh, he's turned over his number twos. Maybe uh, that sounds worse than it is, but he, <laughs> he uh, and, and he it, has and a again, problem with his shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, maybe sometimes it's because the guy has, um, you know, he's fallen out with them like Brian Kidd, or he wanted to go and do his own thing like McLaren or uh, Kierosh. But I mean, that kind of change in the coaching staff um, allows things to be a little bit fresh, um, and and maybe that's something that. Um, Arsene won't countenance. Does that concern you at all? Um, I hear what you're saying, and I obviously see all of the stuff that's written and spoken about Pat Rice by people who do not have uh, an inkling of what goes on in the club, and I'm not saying that I do, mm. but I do think he takes unnecessary stick. I do hear the clamour for a defensive coach and on occasion I've fallen in the trap I believe of actually saying something similar and agreeing with it And but when you look at the coaching staff there they were all bloody defenders when they played George so, Graham was a forward yeah, there's the thing uh, yeah and I, I, I think this is this is the thing that the manager of the day actually has this um, style that he wants to play 
that <laughs> kind of leaves defenders exposed, you know, and, and I don't believe for one moment that they don't work on the defensive aspect, but it's that, you know, they, they're not another... There's all these um, comparisons been made with Barcelona in the wake of what went on Saturday. Um, we don't have the same approach as Barcelona in as much as we don't work as hard as they do from front to back which is, you know, they, they haven't got a significantly better defence. If they've got a better defence than us, I'm not sure they have. But what they do have is they have players in front of them who wake, work a damn sight harder to make that possession football work and to mm. prevent um, other sides being able to get at them. I think our back four is exposed on occasion. I'm not a great lover of the zonal defence, um, but, you know, that's that's the plan that we intend to follow. But going back to the coaching side of things, uh, I'm not persuaded that a change of coach is going to change anything at the club in terms of, you know, the manager has a way of playing and, and has a, a he determines what goes on basically five days a week. And mm. I... I I don't get it. All right. Uh, I just want to go back to that point that you made, um, mm. particularly in the light of Saturday and the and the way that Barcelona played in the in the Champions League final, uh, mm. the possession football. I think you're you've you've got a fair point there in the sense that the defenses and the goalkeeper aren't that much better uh, than ours. Um, no. I think you know uh, there's a bit more experience and perhaps a little bit more quality. But I think the main point that you make in the sense that they all work really, really hard to get the ball back. So if it's if it's okay for Lionel Messi, who scored 53 goals this season, to work his arse off when Barcelona don't have the ball, um, why can't we get that from our players? Why can't Arsene replicate the performance that we saw against Chelsea, for example, uh, which was everything that was good about this Arsenal side the the pace, the hard work, they closed them down, they pressured them into mistakes, and they were clinical when the chances were made. Uh, man from East Laura, have you any idea why it is that, you know, we'll get that performance once or twice a season, and, and we all say, you know, if we could play like that every game, we'd be a really difficult team to beat. But we just, we don't seem to be able to do it. It goes back to the mentality thing, perhaps. I think it does, and you know we get the same line trotted out after most uh, most occasions when we haven't beaten someone we should have beaten. And I think Song was the most recent one going on about how uh, maybe we have taken some of these things a little bit too uh, easily, and yet it doesn't seem to change. So um, I don't know. I don't know why that is, and and it, either it's I suppose it could be um, a combination of a million different things, but um, it, it's partly the characters in the team, and part and partly. And partly, I suspect uh, Wenger has to take some responsibility too. So, I mean, I don't know. I I think if you took, brought two or three strong, really strong characters in in the summer, um, um, who who are prepared to a bit more forthright and not toe the party line, then you might see that change. And that's kind of what I hope for, really. But as for why it happens, God, I mean, I'd love to be able to answer that question. I don't know. Mm. Good player. Will, will Arsene Wenger bring those kind of characters in? who will perhaps stir things up and shake things up and not tell the party lion because maybe he doesn't like that. Oh, I, I don't know. I'd love to know. I mean, I, one thing I can say is, is entirely true. The most Having watched Barcelona in the flesh twice in the last two years against Arsenal, the work rate is incredible. And I'm sorry, but players like Nicholas Bentner are lazy. 
You know, there's no doubt about that. You can, you can make the argument that it's not his natural game, fair enough. But I've seen games where he's come on with 15 minutes left and we've been defending a lead in, like, in the last minute or two. And he just, you know, their defender's got the ball. And rather than run over to him and just throw his body in the way and make, make the guy hurry, he, he just doesn't do it. And that's not being that kind of player. That's being lazy. And I think, but, you know, I'm picking on Bentner. He's probably the worst culprit, but it's a, it's a general problem we have. And I don't understand. Every single Barcelona player works harder, typically, than the Arsenal players. And that's, that's a problem when they're, when they're so bloody talented as well. Mm. You know, and I, I think there's no hiding from that fact. It is one of those things, I think, that, 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 uh, that fans will always... Uh, see straight away if there's a perceived lack of effort or if there is a lack of effort it will be jumped on straight away honest effort with a lack of quality is is often forgiven Gilberto Silver I think you're right and I think um the, the problem is I mean we, we we keep asking ourselves why this happens and I, and I I suspect it's because the players uh, aren't made to feel like there's a, a significant enough consequence for them you know uh, I'm sure that Arsene Wenger is not telling them not to try hard not to run around in which case when they don't there has to be a consequence to that and if that it means this summer that they are sold in the case of someone like Bentner or the case of someone like Oshavin then that can only be a good thing as it is the players are putting in this level of performance and they're being rewarded for it continually with new improved contracts uh, and so if that's not the manager's intention then that is just something that obviously has to stop um, Barcelona do work incredibly hard and it is you know one of the most impressive things about a very impressive team. Um, I mean, there are other differences, obviously, between us. I think that they also they also keep it better than us as well, in my opinion. I mean, they're just they're just a better team. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know, a little bit of that level of work would make a massive difference. And if you remember performances where we have put it in, you think about that Chelsea game. You think about that six-one win at Everton. You know, it was a while ago now, but we did have that kind of level of energy. Uh, and that sustained effort and pressure at the front of the pitch, not exposing our back four constantly. Uh, and if we do want to win anything with the system that we have and with the style of football that we have, that's something we have to emulate. Uh, but maybe in order to do that, as you suggest, we need individuals a little bit different and we need players who, when other players aren't doing it, are going to tell them on the pitch you know, that they've got to sort of not shirt their responsibilities. Mm. Uh, speaking of contracts and Barcelona... Uh, Gunnar Hollick, we've got we've got two very important players this uh, this summer, and, and the future is very much in doubt for both of them uh, for different reasons, of course. Um, Cesc will come to, but Samir Nasri, uh, he's got a year left on his contract, and and we we've spoken, I think, before about how the club rewards players uh, and gives them long term contracts, and it's unthinkable to me that Nasri hasn't been offered a new contract plenty of times in the last 12 to 18 months. Yeah. Uh, and here we are in a situation where um, he could go um, next summer on a free. I'm told um, quite authoritatively that if he doesn't sign by the end of June, he's being put on the transfer list and the club will sell him and be in a position where they have to sell him for, uh, for whatever they can get really, because it's a, it's a, it's an emergency kind of a sale thing. Um what do you make of of what's happening? Is it a, uh, a sort of an indictment of the the game at the moment that the players have all the power? Um, and maybe what does it say about us that a player like Nasri, who's joined at whatever he was twenty years of age, 
um, and is now still only 23 and got all his best years ahead of him, isn't dying to sign and stay with a club like Arsenal. Indictment. <clears throat> Sorry, indictment is the right word for me. I, I remember writing a piece a little while back bemoaning the fact that these days all of the money that's pouring into the game uh, that they've not seen before is pouring straight out of the game into the pockets of players and agents and outside bodies whereas it used to be retained in the game and circulated amongst the clubs and obviously in, in pre-premiership days uh, amongst the clubs in this country. But that, that's, that, that's, those days are gone, I accept. And Nasri finds himself uh, in a circumstance where he is very much holding all of the cards. Um, he's very cleverly got himself into a position where with a year to go he knows we will improve whatever offers I know we have made in the last year or so he is in a position where one could surmise that maybe he's waiting to see what happens with the Fabregas situation as to whether he remains or not I don't know whether it's just a money thing with him or whether he's frustrated at not playing the role that he feels he should be playing in the side. Yeah. It could be either. So the the part of me that loves Samir Nasri, the footballer, would like to believe he wants to be that central figure in the midfield and hopes this is his opportunity. But if Sesk stays, he will go. Mm. Um, the suspicious side of me, like everybody else, thinks, well, maybe he knows he's got more money on the table elsewhere. I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting point, man, from East Laura, because, um, you know, you can see that argument that if Sesk stays, Nasri doesn't get to play the central role, and, and there are suggestions that he would like to do that. But is Nasri, number one, the guy to, to, to play that position? Because he's, he's more of a finisher, from what I can see. He doesn't create a great deal. I think he's had one or two assists throughout the season, whereas we know when Sesk is fit and well, you know, even when he's not and doesn't play full season, he racks up the, the assists. Um, there's that one. And what's your thoughts on, on Sesk? Do you expect him to be here next season? Well, firstly, with Nazari, it's not for him to decide where he plays. He's rewarded by obscene amounts of money. They all are. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately, he plays what he, he should play and, and, and get on with it and, and not moan. Um, as for Sesk, oh, God, I, I think. I would not be surprised if he left this summer at all. Um, he nearly left last year. He said he wanted to leave last year. We didn't strengthen the squad last year enough. It's clear now. Mm. Um, and, who, you know, he, he wants to go to back to Barcelona at some point. We all know that. He said it. Um, Barcelona, um, look at them. They're fantastic. Uh, is our Arsenal's ambitions going to match his? I don't know. So if it happened, I would not bat an eyelid. It would, it would not surprise me at all. Mm. Good player. What, what do you think of the Sesk situation? Because obviously it was an issue. And, you know, from my understanding is that if Arsenal. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of. Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Were uh, a team that was uh, a bit more competitive, that was able to win trophies, that didn't bottle a cup final against a team that ended up being relegated... You know, Cesc will be uh, quite happy to stay, but he's looking at a team that's uh, fluctuating, that's going up and down and stagnating. And um, would you blame him for leaving? And uh, if he did go, what would be an acceptable fee for you? Let's just throw that out there. Given the fact that Torres went for 50 million, Andy Carroll for 35 million, Ronaldo went to Real Madrid for 80 million, um, what should Arsenal accept for Cesc? if we decide that there's a, a, an acceptable figure? Oh, God, you've asked the wrong guy. I'm not really the championship manager type on these things. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 50 million or something, who knows? But I, but I, think, I, think, the point, I think the point is with... I mean, I think just to say on Nasri, I think if you look at it, we've all probably been in situations at work where you're dealing with contract negotiations. And it's really pretty, is it? So um, I, think, I think, you know, I, I'm prepared to give him a bit of leeway on that one and, and see... see yeah, if he signs a contract, he signs a contract. Great, I think it will be forgiven. Um, on Cesc, I mean, well, two telling things for me. Firstly, he's not saying anything about next season at the moment, and say, you know, if if it, if it wasn't an issue, I think he'd be, he would have declared quite happily, yeah, you know, that he's looking forward to pre-season training in July or something, and we're really going to do it next season. Um, equally, equally, I was struck by in the season he made the point about some of the Barcelona players telling him how they'd never won anything before the age of twenty-six. And I think that will occur to him. I, watching Cesc this season, you, there was a huge, huge drive to win there. And it, he really, I think, wanted to win something with Arsenal and be able to say, be able to do that, win something tangible proper. And, and, then, and then say he'd done that. And then it would make it easier in a way for him to go to Barcelona, mm. I think, in his, in his mind. Um, I don't think he wants to particularly leave Arsenal in these circumstances. I think it would be easier for him to to leave in a funny sense where we what had we actually done it i know mm. i know that runs slightly contrary to what to what you're saying but in sure but it I, you know I, I just i just think that would have been very understandable i think the winner in him and i think he is a winner and he has got a character will be bitterly angry that he hasn't been able to do it 
with Arsenal as yet. And I, I suspect he'll be torn. You know, how, how long does he give it, basically? Mm. Gilberto Silva, any further thoughts on that? Because, you know, we know, I mean, my thinking on it is that um, Sesk uh, has been one of the, the finest uh, midfield players in the world for a few seasons now and has the potential to be even better. And I just have always had the feeling that he's been a little bit undersold by Arsene Wenger in the sense that he hasn't always had the right partner. He hasn't had the right mm. player alongside him. We uh, we know about the Chabi Alonso thing that happened uh, a couple of summers ago and, and you know, everyone uh, was convinced that that was going to happen only for it to, to be uh, nixed at the very last minute. And that's what you get when you try and uh, drive a hard bargain on the last day of the transfer window. W- what's your thoughts with, with regard to Cesc? I think, you know, I mean, uh, Arsenal has made it clear uh, he was going to build the team around Sesk. Um, I think Sesk would sort of rather that that weren't the case. I'd rather that he was one of, you know, three or four players of his level in the side, potentially more. Mm. I think a, a good player uh, improves when they've got better players around them. I mean, Wenger's admitted himself that the, the pressure on Fabregas being captain of the side, the hub of the side, the best player in the team, the most important player in the team, has been absolutely enormous. And I think that uh, if I were him, I, I would definitely understand, you know, uh, the conflict that's going on between, you know, Arsenal and Barcelona. I anticipate that he will leave the club this summer. Um, as a consequence of that, I anticipate that Sami Nasri won't. I think that losing Fabregas and Nasri would be a, a, a big, big problem for the club and it would, it would it would look awful for one thing and I think that uh, they would, you know, make a little bit extra effort to, to, to give Sammy the contract that he wants and also the position in the team that he wants. Um, but as for Sesk, I think he would have absolutely loved to win something this season, as was said earlier. You could see how desperately he wanted it. I just don't think the players uh, around him, you know, provided the necessary support to make that possible. And I, I think, unfortunately, uh, if Barca come up with the money, and you're talking sort of in the region of 50 million quid, I should think, then he, I think he will go this summer. Mm. I um, think if you don't mind me batting, batting in there, I think you're making a big assumption about Barcelona's preparation to pay that money. Because if you look at them on Saturday, um, where realistically is Cesc going to fit in that side? And are you going to pay fifty million pounds for a squad player? Well, no, I, 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 um, go on, I, go I, I agree with you, and I. That's why I, I sort of made it uh, an if, really, because I think it's I think it's far from certain that they will that they will be prepared to pay that money, and I'm sure they would rather that Cesc made it easier for them by uh, by you know forcing his yeah. way out the club. Uh, but yeah. conversely, if you look at their bench, um, you know, on Saturday you had guys like. Uh, you know, uh, Tiago, Bojan, uh, Afalai, Adriana. These guys are good players, but they're mm. not world beaters. It's not a strength of bench that you could compare with, say, a Real Madrid. The starting eleven is undoubtedly brilliant, but giving themselves, you know, a couple of extra players. They're talking about Rossi as well to move to sort of a squad of fifteen, sixteen that they could rotate a bit more freely. I think it's something that they would look to do if they want to challenge on all fronts again next season. Mm. I think Cesc would have no problem playing plenty of games for Barcelona, particularly as Xavi is is 31 now. Uh, Cesc has just gone 24. So, you know, if there's a little bit of living in someone's shadow, uh, there's, there are far uh, worse shadows to live in than, than oh, Xavi. Oh, there's no question. There's you no know? question for me he's going there one day, but I just question whether they would pay anywhere near what we would want for him today. Well, that's a that's a good point. Uh, I just wonder whether or not the the new sponsorship 
uh, from the uh, the Qatar Foundation, whether that mm. might play a part, whether they, as the sponsor, because, you know, there's this whole issue with the sponsorship thing because they paid UNICEF, uh, yeah. you know, to, to have the name on the shirt because the shirt was sacred. You know, what better way for the new sponsor to uh, make themselves popular than helping the club out with uh, a big, big transfer? And I think... You know um, what they? I think they'll go for it. I, I really do. Um, I say, they've got a few bob coming back from South America as well, haven't they? And now they've got the World Cup and they're getting their money back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. I have to say, I don't think we'd get fifty for him. I really don't. I think there's about three clubs in the world that would pay that, and we're not prepared to sell him to any of them. So mm. I think we'd get considerably less than that. Um, it would be nice if we got 40 here, hypothetically, but at 50, I, I just can't see that happening at all. I think what you'll get is a sum of money plus a player, maybe someone like an Afalai or a Tiago, mm. who will be sold as being that value. Well, we'll wait and see because, um, <laughs> you know, there are very few of, of the squad, like Gilberto Silver was saying, there's very few of the squad that, uh, of the, uh, the bench that you would that you would take, really, you know. They offer you someone good, you go well. Yeah, I have a bit of that, but you know, Bojan or uh, Kato or somebody like that, meh, you'd have to think. Uh, you'd have to think very strongly about that. And then you're in the 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 whole Cole Gallas situation where we never got any great value for for Ashley Cole because we took Gallas uh, and the valuation of Gallas was way too high. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. let, let's um, let's move it around a little bit and try and think of uh, some positives. Uh, from the last season, if oh. <laughs> right, well, seeing as good player, uh, was exasperated there. I'm going to ask you uh, for your for your sort of positive. I don't know. Um, maybe I don't want to speak for anyone, but um, as an overall thing, I don't know that there's much in the way of positives that you can take from it. But perhaps you know some moments or or individuals over the last uh, over the last nine months uh, that would give you a bit of hope and a bit of. Uh, 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 looking forward to the season that's ahead. No, th- th- there is a there is a fundamental positive, in fact, in fairness, which is that we got to March or February the twenty eighth, whatever it was, in four competitions, very seriously in four competitions, and we got late into April, still in contention in the league. Now, that is actually quite an achievement in some way. It's, it doesn't count for anything, but it's quite hard to do. And if you look at Liverpool over the last 22 years and you look at Tottenham over the last 22 years, I think between them, they've had one one occasion in those 44 years where one of them has got kind of to late April, mid-April and been in contention for the title. And it, so it's a hard thing to do. It's one thing to be rubbish in November and December and January like Liverpool were and then go on a good run when the pressure's off. I mean, not that they got anywhere near the title late on this season but mm. to do that is difficult what we did it is difficult and very few teams do it and that the fact that we've done it three times in four years is good in a sense because it tells you that we can do it um and that that is a positive because it's a base to build on and we're not the worst team we're not terrible by any stretch of the imagination it's just this incredible frustration about what then seems to happen but you know we are nearer it in it, than a lot of teams in many ways mm. um from your uh, I think, um, um, you know, without wishing to sound like Wenger's parrot, I think there is some, uh, obviously, coming forth we're, we're, is, is consistent in a way because we're still in the Champions League and it's an amazing amount of years that we've been in that. There are plenty of big teams that would um, that would bite our hands off to be in our position. And so um, I think there is an element of truth to what he says, that it's um, difficult to get there year after year and we've done it again. 
Um, and the fact we're sitting here and bemoaning the fact we didn't win the title, you know, it shows that our ambitions are still as high as they've ever been. Fantastic. Um, and other than that, some individual players coming through have been superb to see, Chesney and Wilshire in particular. Gunnar Hollick. Uh, I'm glad someone mentioned Jack Wilshire at long last <laughs> because he's been a tremendous positive over the last or, or over the season and it's been great to see him come through and stamp his class on the side and, and he looks like he's been a first team player all his life doesn't he mm. um, I agree to an extent Chesney um, I hope there's not a bit of the Emperor's clothes going on there but he he looks as though he's he's certainly going to be a very good goalkeeper whether he's a very good goalkeeper now whether he's a title winning goalkeeper now I'm not quite sure of it, but I would say that you would look at individual performances during the season, given what we've done in the last couple of years to beat Chelsea at home, to beat Manchester United at home, to beat Barcelona at home. Those performances show that when the side puts its thinking caps on and when they play with the intelligence that Wenger keeps on telling us they've got, then yes, this is a side that has the potential to go a very long way. So I think there are an awful lot of good things in the last year and we tend to overlook that in the kind of gloom that enveloped us at the end of the season. All right, Gilberto Silver. Yeah, I mean, I think everything's been covered. I mean, I was just going to, again, uh, highlight, you know, Szczesny and Wilshire, who have been, you know, real pluses. Uh, uh, some of Gunnarlick's slight caution on, on Chesney. I think it's very early days still for him but I think Jack Wilshire surpassed himself and all expectations uh, this season I'm delighted he's going to get a bit of a break in the summer and uh, hopefully he'll be back at his best uh, come August uh, and I think just you know uh, as a one-off sort of occasion the home leg against Barcelona was a real highlight. I mean, for me, unfortunately, that was sort of where the season peaked and it sort of was downhill from there. <laughs> uh, but as a, as an evening, I was lucky enough to be there and it was absolutely fantastic. Probably the best night that there's been in the new stadium. And it seemed at that point like all sorts was possible. Uh, and it's a shame, I think, to discard the promise of that entirely based on the last few months. It's understandable to feel so low, but when you have nights like that and glimpses of the potential of the side, it is frustrating, but it's also promising. And I think we have to try and, you know, cling to those moments to a degree uh, to stop us from killing ourselves. (laughs) 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 Probabilistically. All right. Well, I mean, I wasn't going that far yet. uh, (laughs) Fair enough. I'll take that on board. The final question I have here is if if there's, uh, you know, having spoken about everything, the question is if there was one thing you'd like Arsene Wenger to do this summer, what would it be? But it seems like he's got about a million and one things to do. But can anyone, I mean, can you think of just one thing uh, that you would like him to do above all else, man from East Lower? Uh, well, what was that song that the fans sung at Fulham on the last day? <laughs> I think it was... No, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to send a proper message out, and, and by that I mean um, get rid of some of the deadwood, uh, two or three or four or five, but let's just be realistic. Some of the deadwood, sign some big, big-name players. Um, I'm not saying 50 million because it ain't going to happen. He's absolutely right. But really send out a message that, yes, I've changed, this has got to change, and it's going to change. And I think if we go into the season having done that, um, there'll be a lot more goodwill and a lot more optimism. Mm. Holick? Win the Champions League qualifier. Scares the living daylights out of me, that game. <laughs> it's true. It Simple absolutely dance. scares the living daylights out of me. That's, that's the beetle. Everything he does in the summer has to be geared up to having a team that can win that first two games in August. Mm. OK, well, that's one thing. All right. Uh, good player. 
I think that's a very good point about the qualifier, by the way. Uh, it's symptomatic of our current problems that we're even in that qualifier because yeah. it's a joke, frankly. Yeah, and we are so complacent. And it's, that's why we came second in our group as well, utter complacency. And that's what we deserve to get Barcelona. We left ourselves with a one in four chance of drawing them in the second round. Uh, I think that's a big worry in terms of what he can do. I think it's about him. You know, it's about him and getting some change and some something something that can change his mentality when we get when we get buffeted by events as you as you do in a season. Mm. How can he change when when those bad things happen so that we can actually flip back, not be affected by it, and win our next game? Gilberto Silver, uh, I want him to give those fans who are disenchanted with him a reason to believe that next season will be different. Uh, and I don't dare to be as prescriptive as to tell him what specifically I need him to do to do that. But I don't really enjoy the conflict that exists among Arsenal fans at the moment. I don't like the bickering and the rowing and the separation and the sides. And I want his actions in the summer, be they uh, in the coaching staff or in the transfer market or what he does with the formation or what have you, to give fans a reason to get behind the team and get excited about next season. And that's all I really want, really, because last season left me feeling very, very flat. Yeah. Uh, and I just hope that, you know, what happens over the next few months brings that change about. Mm. That, I think that's a good point as well, because there is, I think there is a real danger that, uh, that there's almost a desire for, for us to fail at times among certain fans simply because it suits the agenda. Uh, maybe we could just explore this for a minute or two, and I don't want to uh, make it a case that you, you're sort of pitting one side against the other, but it has become very polarized in, uh, in the last 12 months. And I don't think I've you know, ever seen anything, anything like it before. Um, if he is going to stay, and, and I think he is, then he deserves to be judged on what he does this summer, no? Agreed. Yeah, I think he does, uh, and I think, um, uh, but but he has to be aware as well, like, as we as has been pointed out, that um, that this everything that's happened to, to this point has been born of the frustration of repetition, and, and it's mm. you know that that's why there needs to be something something more than just tiny tweaking this summer. Otherwise, he's on a hiding to nothing, and um, uh, and you know, the, like you say, the very first defeat or draw even that comes our way, and people will start. Uh, um, getting on his back, and that's no good at all. Mm. This is exactly why I made the point about the Champions League qualifier, because I think if you lose that game, then fundamentally he, he will lose a huge swathe of support as well, yeah. and his position will be untenable, and yeah. that I do not want to see. I, and just to extend that point on, on that very point, is that I think there are people who will not be persuaded by whatever he does this summer. There are people who are now absolutely determined to be anti him and will be so until he wins something. So we're going to have to put up with that over the course of the season until he does win something or until he goes. But absolutely, let's get that first couple of games sorted out so that it doesn't get any worse. Good player. Final thoughts on that to you? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not sure I agree with the idea that his position would be untenable if we lose a Champions League qualifier. We're due to lose one at some point. Um, but I, yeah, I think if we can, if we are still challenging in the league, he'd be fine in that sense. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be wise to lose it. But it, it, you know, things 
things at some point will shift one way or another. We won't keep finishing fourth forever. It feels like that. It feels like Groundhog Day, but at some point it won't shift. And, uh, and you know, and will, will this be that time? We've thought every year we've thought it would, and it, you know, go one way or another, and it, and it hasn't yet, but I, I don't know. All right. Okay. Well, look, we better leave it Can there. Can I just throw one more point, one yeah. more point in there? That in, this, in the circumstances that we ended the season, uh, to then slap a 6.5% rise on ticket prices was a monumental PR <laughs> gap. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, but it, re- it really just added to the, to the troubles. Sure. I mean, do you think uh, it, was, it's, it was interesting to me because uh, obviously the, the AST were uh, quite vocal and quite public about uh, what they thought about this. Um, I know for a fact that the press office, they read the blogs, they'll have read the opinion of uh, the fans uh, on those blogs, uh, the blogs that represent maybe the views of, of quite uh, a number of fans. And yet, despite everything, they went ahead and, and did it anyway. And here was the interesting thing. Somebody posted up on Twitter last week about how the difference between finishing third and fourth was essentially the money that they would raise from uh, putting up the ticket prices. They just finished third, you know. So, but the decision to put up the ticket prices was made long before we knew whether we were going to finish third or fourth. Yeah. And there's another side to it as well that people have kind of not really cottoned on to is that the silver and red members are paying a damn sight more than 6.5% increase this year for the privilege of having the opportunity to apply for tickets, not for getting any tickets. Mm. Uh, I just think the whole thing has been handled very badly by the club, but the club know that they can run roughshod over the, the supporters' wishes because of the waiting list, because of the number of people who can't get to the Grove for one reason or another. But it's quite interesting when you look around at the number of season tickets, for example, that are up for lease this year. I'm not so sure that waiting list is going to last as long as they might have thought 12 months ago. No, for sure, because you get, I get them on Twitter quite quite regularly. People looking mm-hmm. for, you know, somebody to take their ticket for for twelve months. I mean, yeah. it's maybe it's just me, and maybe with a sort of a a red eyed or a red uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, red tinted view of everything. But <laughs> I just sort of expected a little bit better from Arsenal than to do that and to do it the way they did it and. Uh, particularly the timing of it, it was announced after the Man United game where, you know, you don't have to be the most cynical person in the world to think that, you know, it's a, it's a good day to get out some uh, bad news. Yeah, I, th- I, it's a good player. I think the timing was ridiculous. It was, it was insulting. I, I do think the, the problem is, the problem they stored up this as a problem for themselves by not raising it in previous years. Mm. I, think, I think, you know, frankly, if they're sensible from now on, what they'll do is raise it at the rate of inflation. Most years, basically, as a, mm. as, a sta- as a standard practice, and then and then if they if they want to raise it above that, they'll they'll do that in the good years. But they'd sort up problems for themselves in a yeah. in a yeah. in a sense by not doing it at all, which which is is stupid. Um, you know, if they'd done more minor increases in previous years at the rate of inflation, you know, it, it wouldn't have looked so big this year. And it, you're right; it's absolutely terrible timing this year. You know. And with a new owner as well, Gilberto Silva. Yeah, I think good player makes a very valid point. I think if they'd done it incrementally over the years in which there's been a freeze on prices, I don't really think many people would have 
batted much of an eyelid, to be honest. I, I think that the fact that they stored this up and then had to make a significant increase created the problem. I also think, obviously, as, as Gunnar Hollick said, this would have been in, uh, you know, in the works for a significant period of time. Um, and I think that probably when they when they thought they were going to do the rise, you know, we were probably at that point still in four competitions and looking like it would be a sort of more viable thing. Mm. Uh, they must have been pulling their hair out of what happened at the end of the season. But I don't think a business plan can alter so uh, dramatically on on you know on what happens on the pitch. I don't think that they would be prepared to do that. I think it'd be a massive climb down uh, from the club. And I think they, I think having decided they were going to do it, they sort of had to go. I mean, I understand why they went ahead with it, but I have to say that. It did, you know, when I paid for my season ticket this year, uh, which I did only a couple of days ago, it was, it did feel heavier than it did a year ago. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it, 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 it and that's not really about the numbers, to be honest. I think if we'd won the league, it wouldn't have done. Yeah, well, so it, we'll have to say, I mean, whether that will put more pressure from uh, the board on RSN, because obviously, you know, the board have made their decisions. And it's sort of based around, uh, you know, what happens on the uh, off the pitch, obviously. But what happens on the pitch has a direct effect on it, as you're talking about. It. So it, success would have made it much more palatable. So maybe. I think so. I mean, it's quite a shallow thing with me to say. I, I, I sort of recognise that, but you know, that's the way that people people work. And I, and I, I I think that the board must be conscious of of the unrest that exists and you know attendances this season whilst they were officially as consistent as ever i think anyone <laughs> anyone with a pair of eyes could see that you know at certain points in the season they were down and and that will be a concern i think that will be a concern even if they're still raking in the revenue on it i think that's something that they'll they'll look to sort of rest uh, over the coming couple of years all right gents i better leave it there uh, for those listening tonight's attendance was 60,144 <laughs> Uh, Gunnar Hollick from GunnarHollick.com thank you thank you very much blogs thanks boys good player thanks very much thank you very much all uh, the man from East Laura thank you uh, cheers all and I look forward to the Kareem Benzema signing ass car special <laughs> <laughs> and Gilberto Silver from GunnarBlog.com thank you thank you and I look forward to the return of Carlos Vela our ass car special <laughs> <laughs> alright have a good summer chaps Bye-bye. you too cheers see ya Please do check out the websites, you know them, but I'll tell you them anyway, gunnerholic.com, gunnerblog.com, goodplayer.com, and eastlower.co.uk. My thanks to the guys, and here we are at the far side of the season, the final cast of the season. Uh, it's gone very quickly, I have to say. We just wait and see what the summer will bring. A lot of work to do. There's really a lot of work to do, and um, let's hope that what needs to be done gets done quickly and we uh, go through the summer without any kind of protracted saga because sagas in general aren't much fun and we know that they're not much fun when it comes to uh, transfers. Uh, so before I go, uh, just to go back to the last cast, and we had the competition in association with Pele Sports uh, to give you all those great prizes. There were nine prizes in all and the question was, what was uh, Pele's favourite move? And it was, of course, the overhead kick or the bicycle kick. And uh, the prizes are dished out as follows. Uh, the boots, the 1970 boots, go to Phil Reynolds. Well done to you, Phil. The 1962 boots go to Alvaro Gallardo. 
Uh, well done, Alvaro. And also the 1958 boots go to Nils Tompkins. So well done to you. Uh, three Palais Sports t-shirts go to Philip Burgess, Laura Gallagher and Nick Black. And three Arsblog t-shirts go to Eric Anderson, Ronan McGrath and Bjorn Lindgren. Uh, all of you, I will be in touch to get your details, your dress sizes and what particular shirts you want. Um, so thank you all very much and make sure you check out Pele-Sports.com uh, you can follow the link on today's blog uh, to check out the rest of our stuff all the gear is particularly cool and those boots are fantastic uh, well done to you guys and thank you for entering and thank you all for listening over the course of a season uh, I do greatly appreciate it uh, and all your feedback and emails and all that kind of stuff is really uh, is really well worth it because sometimes I sit here on a Thursday night, usually on a Thursday night, and I drink a couple of beers and talk into the microphone, and then you kind of go, well, I'm a bit, bit mad here. Am I just sitting here talking into a microphone on my own on a Thursday night? I could be out doing other things. But no, it's uh, always a pleasure to do it. I, I'm glad you enjoy it, and thank you very much indeed for your company throughout the season. I hope you have a fantastic summer. I mean, I'll be on the blog, of course, but seeing as we're speaking and you're listening, I hope you have a fine summer filled with rum-based cocktails and sunshine and all sorts of good things. And I'll talk to you again uh, when the Arsecast kicks off towards the start of the new season. So until then, take it easy. Have a good one. Cheers. Bye-bye. It's the Mick Benner Show with me, Mick Benner, I'm deadly. Hello there, I'm Mick Benner, and I'm the greatest striker to ever live. I'm better than Paul Mariner, Smudger, Chris Kawamia, and Paul Dicker. This week I went to see Arsene Wenger, and I said, Arsene Wenger, I'm really not very happy with you. And he said, oh, why, why, Mick Benner, why are you not happy with me? I don't like it when you're not happy with me. It makes me feel all funny inside. And I said, Arsene Wenger, I am Mick Benner, the greatest striker that ever lived, and you're playing me as a winger. You're wasting me. I don't want to be a winger. I'd rather not play football ever again, so generations will never know my talent, robbed of my gifts. They'll never know that Mick Benner is the greatest striker that ever lived. I'd rather go somewhere else and do something else entirely, like be a bus driver, or a street sweeper, or a sailor, or a carpenter, or a plumber, or one of those guys who stands outside a bank dressed as a giant banana. And Arsene Wenger said, Oh, McBenner, no, I can't give you the assurances you need about your future. And I said, That's fine, Arsene Wenger. I'm leaving. I won't be back. And do you know what I'm going to do? And he said, No. And I said, I'm going to be a lollipop lady. And he said, Why? Because uh, I like the taste of lollipops. Obviously, like. It's the McBenner Show with me, McBenner. I'm deadly. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 